seat. Well, good morning again. A lot more in here than uh, when we came up to do announcements earlier, so that's good. Um, I happened to look up because I was back at the tech booth today, and I was like, oh my goodness, look at all these people here. But uh, good morning and welcome, and uh, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Any of you guys had the uh, great experience or the enjoyment of going to like Giant Eagle or Target or Walmart over the last couple days, right? I mean, it is like, it's insane, isn't it? Right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. We don't even want to touch those places. Michelle went out yesterday uh, to get some stuff for the um, ladies' ministry, and she's like, well, do you want to go with me? I was like, no. And um, so she went out, and uh, she ended up calling me, and she's like, Rick, or she texted me. That's what it was. She's like, the line at the deli is long. She's like, this place is like a zoo, right? But it's Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's peace on earth. It's goodwill towards men, now, Christmas for a lot of people is, is stressful anyways, right? I mean, and then you add all that other stuff into it. But this has been really a stressful year for the people that live in this nation, right? Wouldn't you agree with me? I mean, together we've been through a very divisive, just this year, just very divisive political scene. We've been through a year of shootings and, and protests. We've seen, you know, just major natural disasters all throughout our country over the last week or so, we saw another major shooting over in Jersey City, and we take all of that into account, people are a bit uptight, right? Times are a little bit tense. Folks are a little bit on edge. Things have, you know, seem sometimes to be a little bit dark. And there's a lot of people who are going into this Christmas season truly feeling like, you know what, I, when it's all said and done, things are not well in the world. And if that's how you're feeling, A little bit this morning, I want everyone just to kind of take a deep breath, and I want you to to just relax, and you need to realize that that Christmas is a reminder to us that over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be a light, to be a light that would guide us through the dark times that we would face, whether it was as a nation or, or whether it was personal. And so no matter how dark things may seem in our community, no matter how dark things may seem in our country and in our world, no matter what kind of darkness you may personally be going through at this time, and I know several of you are going through some dark moments right now, whether it's you know very tough health issues or marital issues or something that you're facing with your kids, listen, I want you to know that because of Jesus, all is still well and all all is still bright. That's right. That's a good thing, right? See, John chapter 1 reminds us that the light shines in the darkness. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how bleak things may seem in your life or in the world, the darkness has not overcome the light. And I want you to know this morning, it will never overcome the light. It's just never going to happen. See, as long as Jesus reigns supreme in our world, as long as he is ruling and reigning and is supreme in your life, there is no amount of darkness that can overcome that light. There's a passage of scripture that I want you to turn to this morning that I believe speaks very powerfully into this truth. Speaks very powerfully into this truth about Jesus. It speaks very powerfully into this time that we're in right now as a nation. And it speaks into whatever darkness you may be experiencing in your life this morning. So with your Bible in hand, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look it up on your phone or it'll be on the screen. But I just want to kind of give you a little bit of background this morning as we're getting into the book of Hebrews. Now the book of Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, about the power of Jesus Christ, and about the authority of Jesus Christ. It was written uh, to a group of second generation Christians. They had received Christ, they'd received the, the truth of Christ from their parents, 
who were obviously first-generation Christians. And these listeners, right, the recipients of the book of Hebrews, they were true believers who had been through just a lot of persecution because of their faith. And at the same time as this book was being written, they were also being seduced by a lot of false teachers and, and a lot of false doctrines that were trying to pull them back into Jewish law, to pull them back into legalism and to pull them into moralism. And so these recipients were very much in danger of forgetting and walking away from the truth of Scripture that had been taught to them by their parents and their teachers. And so it was a very dark time for these Jewish Christians. All was not well, and things did not seem bright. And in the midst of this spiritual chaos and confusion, the writer of Hebrews, who many people believe was the Apostle Paul, we really don't know, but he does something epic. And right at the very beginning of the letter, he takes these listeners back to their past. He takes them back to their Jewish roots in the Old Testament, and he reminds them that back in the Old Testament, God had instituted three offices to lead the Jewish people. And so God had prophets, right? He had priests, and he had kings. And all three offices throughout the Old Testament were were led by flawed sinful individuals who played very different roles in giving leadership and direction to a very sinful nation by trying to institute a law that demanded perfection, a law that could never be fulfilled. And in these same first few verses of Hebrews, the writer makes this grand announcement. And he says, look, Jesus has come and he has changed everything. And he tells the listeners that that when Jesus comes on the scene, God takes all three of these offices and he gives them to Jesus. In other words, Jesus becomes and became our prophet. He became our priest and he became our king. See, as a prophet, Jesus would bring us the true word of God. As priest, Jesus would bring a sacrifice and he'd make an intercession on our behalf. And as a king, Jesus would rule over all things with his mighty power. See, Jesus was the only one who could successfully and completely fulfill the duties of all of these offices. See, all that had come before him had failed. And so because of this truth, right, because of this, this, this epic announcement, as you're going to see throughout this series, we can say with all confidence that as long as Jesus is in office, serving as, as prophet, priest, and king, no matter how dark, no matter how chaotic things seem, all is calm, all is well. And all is bright. I want you to check out with me, if you would, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, because this is kind of where it all begins to come together. The writer of Hebrews, he says this He says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. There we have the prophet, right? God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. There's our priest. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. There's our king. Go over to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The Apostle Paul, or Apostle John, I'm sorry, writes this Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, prophet, The firstborn from the dead, our priest, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, our king. And you look at all of that, 
And I promise you, and you've probably never heard this you know, during any Christmas time, and you might be asking yourself, well, I mean, why is this so important? Why do I need a prophet, priest, and king? We're going to answer that question over the next few weeks. But I want to take this morning, and I want to talk to you about why God sent Jesus to be a prophet. Now, before we do that this morning, let's talk about what a prophet is. So what exactly is a prophet? A prophet, very simply, is just someone who is sent by God to speak for God and to communicate to people the truth God wants them to know. Let me say that again. A prophet is someone who is sent by God to speak for God and to communicate to people the truth that God wants them to know. In the Old Testament, prophets were individuals that had a very clear purpose. Right? They brought a warning from God, either to an individual or, or to a nation, And a prophet was an individual who had literally been handpicked by God, chosen very specifically to go and to confront either a king or or a group of people or a nation about their sinfulness. And when a prophet would come, a prophet would always issue a call of repentance. And he would describe the consequences of continuing it in sin. And, And then a prophet would describe the blessings that God would bring to those that would turn from their sin and would come back to God. And so being a prophet was a very important job. There's a guy who was handpicked by God or a woman at times who had been handpicked by God. But we need to understand it was also a very lonely job. Because almost always a prophet would bring a message of condemnation and judgment upon a king or a nation. And nobody was kind of like really raising their hands like, hey God, you know, I I really want to be a prophet. It was also a very dangerous job. Right? If a sinful king, or in some cases his, his family or his wife, did not like what the prophet was saying, sometimes they would try to, to kill him. And if a person claimed to be a prophet of God in the Old Testament, and what they said on God's behalf, right, they were saying, you know, I'm speaking for God right now. If what they said turned out to be wrong, the punishment was death. And so you didn't just go around claiming to be a prophet. Right? Here's the thing. If you went around claiming to be an Old Testament prophet, claiming to speak for God and you were wrong, it was lights out for you. So with all of that said, why is it important that God sent Jesus into the darkness of our world to be a prophet? Well, first of all, his role as a prophet we see was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, the prophet Moses is addressing the nation of Israel, and he's actually warning them. He's saying, look, guys, do not listen to false prophets. Do not listen to people who are actually filled with evil spirits who claim to be speaking on God's behalf. And he says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, he says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers, and you must listen to him. Now, here's what you need to understand about Moses, is Moses was like the ultimate prophet, Right? Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, when you get to the very end of Moses' life, the Bible tells us that there was no other prophet like Moses. No one could could hold a candle to Moses. I mean, he had a face-to-face intimacy with God, right? He spoke words directly from God. He had mighty power. He performed amazing miracles. He was a fearless leader who actually delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. When he spoke, the people listened because he spoke direct words from God. He had that kind of intimacy. I mean, no prophet could live up to the example of Moses. He was the ultimate prophet, but Moses says, look, if you think I'm a good prophet, he says, wait until you meet the prophet that God is raising up. 
Wait until you meet the, the prophet that God is preparing for the future, the coming prophet. He's going to you know, take the office of prophet, listen, to a whole nother level. Over 1,400 years later, you get into the book of Matthew. And you see Jesus hanging out on this high mountaintop with his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. He's just having this moment with them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Bible says that Jesus' face starts shining like the sun and his clothes become as white as light. And the next thing that you know, Moses and Elijah, who are like right, the stars of the Old Testament prophet world, they show up. They're having this little meeting with Jesus and they're talking. If things couldn't get any better, God the Father shows up in a bright cloud and he makes an announcement to Peter, James, and John. Matthew chapter 17, verse five, here's what he says. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, look, the, the prophet that Moses promised over 1,400 years ago, he is now here, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy, he is the prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now for the nation of Israel, this was amazing news, right? Because the lights of the, the prophet office were now back on. And for us as followers of Jesus, that news is, is even better because it means that Jesus has come to speak on God's behalf. Jesus has come to speak into our lives, to, to guide us and to lead us through the darkness of this world. Listen, I know sometimes when we talk about Jesus, there is a growing amount of skepticism about the actual legitimacy of, of Jesus. We can go to studies, we can look at stats and, and facts, and, but, but you know that there's just a, this growing number of people, especially in our younger generations, who are becoming atheists and agnostics. They are denying the authenticity of Jesus. Robert C. Newman, in his book Science Speaks, he came up with a scientific proof that the odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the 60 major prophecies about him in the Old Testament wouldn't just be like one in a thousand, right, that, that, that could happen, or even one in a million, or even one in, in, in a billion that it could happen. It was actually this number right here on the screen, if you guys can go ahead and put that up, right? It's one followed by 17 zeros. I don't even know what that number is called, couldn't even go there, right? But he said, if you had that many silver coins, you could cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Yet listen, when Jesus came to earth and then died and rose again from the grave, he didn't fulfill just eight prophecies from the Old Testament. He fulfilled all 60 major prophecies and 270 prophecies that were actually a result of his life. You see, that's proof that Jesus isn't just a prophet. He's the Messiah, Right, he's the Savior. He is the Son of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says, And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. So if God is speaking to us through his Son, and Moses and God are saying, you need to be listening to him, then what should we be doing? Well, when the prophet speaks, we need to be listening. Right? Remember, a prophet is someone who is sent by God to speak for God and to communicate to the people the truths that God wants them to know. And so as a believer, how should we respond to the words of Jesus? Well, here's what you do. You listen to them. You follow them. You obey them. Now, where do we find the words of Jesus? We find the words of Jesus in the Bible, the word of God. And here's something interesting. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus doesn't just speak the words of God, but Jesus was actually the word of God. Right? He was the word. In John chapter 1, verses one through four, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Right? In other words, Jesus was there in the beginning, speaking into creation. And Jesus is there in the Old Testament speaking, and he is there in the New Testament speaking. And by the way, he is still speaking here today truth into our lives. So in other words, when you need answers to life's questions, right? when you need direction, when you need guidance, when you need wisdom, you go to the word because everything you need to live successfully in this dark world, you will find in the word, you will find in Christ. As we interact with the word and we build our lives upon its truth, Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, teaching us truth, correcting us when we go off course, guiding us and leading us through life. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you just needed God to speak to you? And you feel like God is silent. Have you ever just said, God, you know, I wish you would give me an answer. Or God, I wish you would, you know, just, I just want to know your will, God. God, are you speaking? Will you speak? Listen, God has spoken. And he is still speaking through his word. Everything that we need for wisdom Everything that we need for guidance and direction is found in his word. And so as Jesus is speaking, what do we do? We listen to his word. We obey his commands and we follow as he leads. He is our prophet. He's the very voice of God speaking to us today. If you have a Bible in your possession right now, whether it's paper, whether it's leather bound, maybe you got it on your phone or on your, your laptop or whatever, those are the very words of God still speaking to us today. Here's one more thing that we need to understand about this prophet, and this is so important. Okay, don't don't miss this now. Is that his mission was very different than the prophets who had come before him. Every true prophet that had come before Jesus came with a message of judgment, right? Came with a message of condemnation for for those who didn't turn away from their sins and turn to God. Think about the prophet uh, Jonah for just a moment. Right, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Je- Jonah then you know, finds himself in the belly of a fish, decides, hey, you know what, maybe I should go to Nineveh. Maybe that's what God wants me to do. When he got to Nineveh, he said to the people, turn away from, from your evil or God is going to destroy the whole city. Think for a minute about Elijah. He said to King Ahab, look, because you have done evil in God's sight, because your wife is just really mean and nasty, listen, there is a drought coming to Israel and it's going to last for three years. Think about the prophet Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. But he had to tell King Jehoiakim that that because of his evil, God was gonna cause the Jewish people to be slaves to, to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians and then to the Persians for 70 years. Prophet after prophet after prophet came with a message of condemnation and judgment, but Jesus changed the game. Jesus came with a message of grace and salvation. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Now what in the world? I mean, What caused God to, to change the way he operated with mankind at this moment? Listen, in his grace and because of his love for us, God didn't just send another prophet. He sent his son And he sent his son not to to come to put his wrath upon us or his condemnation, but to actually save us from our sins. God actually took all of his wrath, he took all of his condemnation, he took all of his judgment, and instead of pouring it on us, he poured it upon Jesus when Jesus went to the cross. 
Listen to the very first words that come out of Jesus' mouth as he begins his earthly ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying here for just a moment. He starts off by making two declarations. And first of all, he says the time is fulfilled. In other words, everything that was, you know, the Old Testament was pointing towards about a coming Messiah, a coming Savior, has now been fulfilled. He says, I am he. Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior that the Jews have been waiting for. And then Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is near. And the only way to become part of this kingdom is to listen to his words and to do what he says. And what does he say? He says what a prophet would say, right? What a prophet said in the Old Testament. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, this was not a message of condemnation. This was actually good news. I mean, what was Jesus offering? He was offering grace. He was offering forgiveness. He was offering salvation. Let me explain this to you for a moment. Jesus says, repent. And so to repent literally means to change your mind. Change your mind about what? Change your mind about the fact that you cannot save yourself from your sins. Change your mind that that your good works can, can make things right between you and God. Change your mind that because you were born into a Christian family that you are a Christian. Change your your mind that you may not believe that you're a sinner and in need of a savior. He says, repent. He says, change your mind of all of these things that you think are going to save you from your sin, save you from an eternity in hell. And then he says, believe. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means believe in the truth of the gospel. And here's the truth of the gospel, that we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And we come into this world condemned to death because of our sin. Right, Our sin created this eternal separation between us and God. We actually come into this world as God's enemies, the Bible tells us. And there's nothing that we can do in our own power to change that. Nothing we can do in our own power to actually make things right between us and God. Because in God's economy, a sacrifice for sin has to be made. If you look in the Old Testament... Right, the priest had to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. A lot of animals died. A lot of blood was shed trying to cover our sin. But nothing could get the job done because sin ultimately demanded a once and for all perfect sacrifice. And so because of his love for us, God sends the only perfect sacrifice into the world to pay for our sins once and for all. And his name was Jesus. He was God's very own son, Jesus was sent to earth to reveal to us how much the Father loves us. And he actually showed us his love when Jesus laid down his life for our sins. See, he took our punishment upon himself. He endured God's wrath. He endured God's judgment for sin that was reserved for us. And he conquered sin on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. And three days later when he did that, he declared victory not just over physical death, but spiritual death as well. And as a result, salvation and eternal life is available to every man, every woman, every student, and every child who will place their faith and trust alone in Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior. And so Jesus says this, repent and believe. Change your mind about how you thought you were going to make it to heaven, about how you thought you were going to make things right between you and God and turn from your sin and receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Here's how the Bible describes it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. What a word. Right? What a word of grace. Look, in these final days, the Bible says that God is still speaking to us through his son, and his word is clear. It says, listen to him. Now, I cannot close this off this morning without giving a little prophetic warning. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, the Holy Spirit has come on the scene. In in Acts, chapter 2, the church has started. Thousands of people are coming to Christ Peter, John, everyone's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now all of a sudden they're they're speaking in the middle of this huge crowd in Acts chapter 3. And the Bible says that Peter and John have boldness, right? The boldness of the Holy Spirit that they didn't have before. And Peter begins to speak. And as he's speaking, he's reminding all of the Jewish people, all of the the leaders, right? The Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, they're all listening. And he reminds them of their Old Testament history, how God had delivered them up out of Egypt through Moses and and he's just walking through this history and how it's all pointing to Jesus. And and then he says this in Acts chapter three, verse 22. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him and everything he tells you. He goes on to say, everyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. In other words, the Bible says that if we refuse to listen to this prophet, refuse to listen to his offer for eternal life, he doesn't condemn us. He took all the condemnation and judgment upon himself at the cross. Instead, the Bible says that when you refuse to listen to the prophet, we actually condemn ourselves. We condemn ourselves by choosing to reject Jesus' gift of salvation. We condemn ourselves and to continue to be cut off from God and to, to choose a future in an eternal place called hell. But look, this morning, here's the good news, is that God offers you forgiveness. God offers you grace, a grace that none of us deserves. He offers you redemption. He offers you salvation. See, Jesus came to earth to make all of that happen. The Son of God literally stepped out of heaven He got off of his throne in heaven. He took on human flesh and willingly became a sacrifice for your sin. And today, look, he he doesn't want to just speak words to you. As you listen while he speaks, he wants to have a relationship with you. Imagine that. He doesn't want to just command you. He doesn't want to just constantly put words on you. No, he says, listen, as you listen to me, He says, as we talk, as you obey me, as you follow me, Jesus says, I want to have a relationship with you. What an amazing offer of grace. I want you right now, if you would, just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment.